Hey, hey, it's your boy Ivan Sasan, host of Startup by React Show. If you haven't done so already, please go to startupbyreactshow.com where you'll see what five top angel investors are saying about angel and real estate investing. Also today, we have a guest. His name is Preston, and I'll actually bring him on. He is with Well Capital, and uh, I'm glad to have you on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ivan. Yeah, so uh, can you give us a little background about yourself, something short, and then uh, we'll, we'll deep dive into it. Yeah, so um, I guess just shortcut to how I got into financial freedom. I was I was trying to figure out how to pay for an Olympic shotgun shooting career, and that was, that was my passion. And it was very expensive as a college student, and so mm -hmm. I, I lucked out. I was around business owners that pretty much everyone in that sport owns their own business. And so yeah. I had exposure to that and then um, just had to kind of solve for how to make a couple hundred thousand as a college student and did that. Um, didn't want to trade time for money anymore. And so real estate was the path. And I, I studied what the wealthiest people were doing with their money and their time and, and just tried to replicate it as, as well as I could with my situation and, you know, slowly grow towards that. So, man, that's a great starting point. And actually I can relate to that because I tried studying the wealthy as well, the Rothschilds when I was in middle school, because, um, what catalyzed that was, uh, Someone gave me the book Rich Dad Poor Dad at, at 11 years old, and I got to skim it. And I only wanted the parts I wanted to listen to. And uh, <laughs> I went more on YouTube University after that. And so, yeah, thank you very much for that short intro. And uh, one of the questions I like asking is uh, I know you yourself, uh, you're a real estate investor, a multifamily syndicator, but outside of these titles, right, um, we're all humans. And so at the deepest core, why do you do what you do? Um, I would say, I mean, A is financial freedom. I think as soon as you solve for that, you're really left empty to an extent. Uh, yeah. You realize how empty your money and the pursuit of money is, and, and it doesn't equate to happiness. Um, it equates to a little easier lifestyle, and, and you can get out of working within your weaknesses. And so I think that was my my big short-term goal was financial mm -hmm. freedom and then to just have the flexibility and fluidity to be able to double down on my strengths and once we reached that point my business partner and i had sat down and talked and just said you know neither of us are fulfilled and energized the way we were when we were really going full steam at this Correct. and so we found Charity Water and we partnered with them. Um, they're a, a brand or organization partner of ours. Our company's Wealth Capital. And 10% of everything that we make as sponsors goes to Charity Water. And um, wow. that's out of our gross. It just comes off the top. It doesn't affect our investor returns at all. But it, it's a neat way just to stay motivated and, and affect change and, and stay excited about what we're doing in the space. Yeah, you already mentioned the question that I was going to ask, what was your higher purpose? But aside from, let's say, all right, you already took care of yourself. You're, you finished the survival mode. You passed. Um, you're now one of the fittest. Number two, you've basically secured financial freedom and um, have come down to the point of finding satisfaction and fulfillment and giving back, right? That's, that's the end goal usually after like your self needs are done and met giving back to your community, giving back to your family. But like, 
is there anything else that perhaps you haven't mentioned um, that like, yeah. Yeah, I would say, I mean, the quote that has stuck with me for years is most men live lives of quiet desperation. And so I think just looking through that lens, like, A, I want to prove to myself that that I can do this and, and just see how far we can take it. But B, as a as a company and, and just as a partnership, Braden Wyndham and is my partner and myself. We just want to prove to other people that it's possible and and I want people to be fulfilled and just to show that there is a path to that and um, there are steps you can take rich that poor dad is, is a perfect example. There are steps you can take to kind of go on that self discovery journey and just if we can encourage more people to do that and, and they do it for the right reasons uh, charity water water or otherwise I think that's just you know our goal that's what keeps us excited. Yeah, um, thank you for that. And uh, I, I, I want to highlight what Well Capital, your organization, your company does. And can you talk a little bit more about your company's mission and vision, and not only for the passive investors, but like outside of that community? Because as multifamily syndicators, we look at value add and essentially affecting other communities that um, while having an, a lasting impact on the financial returns for investors sometimes, right? And so what are the core values of wealth capital in, uh, in your team? Yeah, so I think it's layered. Um, we can start at the property level. Down at the property level, we want our tenants and, and assets that we own to have a place that they're proud to call home that they can invite friends and family to. And A, it's safe, but B, it's, it's clean and just something that that they can be proud of and, and show off. And so that doesn't mean they have to have stainless steel appliances and top of the line, but just to keep things clean and keep it neat and um, and just put good tenants in in properties, that's, that's the goal at the property level. And then at the company level, um, we want everyone who works for us with us to just we our our statement or mission statement is do good business with good people and so we want them to be fulfilled i i'd never want our business's goals to keep someone from their personal goals and so we try to work with anyone who's working with us and just understand what matters to them and, and how we can help them in the pursuit of that and then at the top level um i would just say it goes back to the charity water thing i mean dollars and cents are, are great and our investors have done well historically and, and we want them to continue to do well. But at the end of the day, the cool thing for us is when we're repositioning a property, we can tell that story to investors, but alongside that, to be able to tell the story of the well that they're, they're building that's associated with that property um, in Madagascar and all the women who can now go to school instead of walking back and forth to the water well, you know, that, that to me is is what makes us unique in the space and it's what what gets us up every day and, and keeps us looking for the next opportunity wow that's very inspiring and actually i i remember talking to the actual founder of uh charity water uh, one of the projects or this is kind of why i'm in the startup realm also because i had a clean tech startup essentially that i wanted to run a car on seawater which would solve three un's sustainable developmental goals by 2030, uh, by 2030, and it was clean water uh, and sanitation, 
affordable and affordable and clean energy. And the third one was uh, climate change. Okay. How it was just like literally run a car on seawater, but using seawater and then like you're putting that as a form of gas, but really it was it was very inefficient and uh, the idea fell through. But one of the main reasons that I mentioned that was because Cherry Water was in my radar of like, okay, what is he doing? And is it a product market fit if we ran cars with seawater in Africa, for example? It was something that me and my team had, had actually thought about. And so thank you for sharing that. And uh, what a small world. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. We we love Scott. I mean, he he's one of the few charities that runs like a business. And, and so I'm with you. I think it's he's awesome to model after and, and just really impressive. And so while I had that startup, my major was in real estate and development. And then no one would hire me afterwards. And so I said, you know what, let me try let me try risk on let me just keep forward and hire myself. And that's effectively what I did. And I would say it's a bit, it's taking off now and the thrill is amazing. I haven't reached financial freedom yet, but I know it's going to get there. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, you mentioned uh, not only are there investors representing um, essentially like a, a charity itself or building wells in Madagascar, um, they also represent and help out communities here with the projects that you guys create. And so there's that emotional component that protects the downside, but what is the actual um, reason why they should invest with well capital and how, how does well capital protect that downside for investors? Yeah. So I think we aren't always cash flow investors. We do have opportunistic deals that we will do okay. as a company, and that may be three or five year holds. But our our bread and butter is a 10 plus year hold. And we like to remove 100% of capital in the first five years and, and return that to our equity partners and then just hold wow. long term. And A, it, it kicks the can on taxes, um, which is valuable. Yeah. And your cash flow builds. And so we can, if we can return that money and, and let them take the same dollars and go buy a second passive income stream, then, then that's our goal is to retire as many investors as we can and, and give them the same freedoms that, that Brayden and I enjoy. And um, we feel like that model accomplishes that the best. That being said, Correct. if you look at the numbers, the best use of your money is, 24 to 36 month repositions and, and you just keep rolling it. But, but that's contingent on being able to find that next deal. Correct. And, Correct. Which is easier said than done. But um, I would say just for downside protection, one, one key element for us is the debt. When we lock in longer term debt, you know, whether that's local bank debt or going straight onto agency, I think that's mm -hmm. valuable. And then we're, we're extremely conservative in underwriting. So if CoStar says seven, eight percent rent baseline growth, then we're underwriting for three. Yeah. Um, if interest rates are at three and a half percent today, we're assuming four and a half at yep. refi. And then I mm -hmm. think the other thing that makes us a little unique is um, when we model refinances, it's all about DSCR. So we look at a we look for a 1.2 DSCR, and if that means we're at 68 percent leverage on our model takeout, then then that's where it lands. And yeah, yeah, it, it'll reduce the return profile. But but to us, it's uh, we'd rather be safe than sorry. 
That, that that's a great point and uh thank you for being detailed about the buy and hold stuff because that's what i wanted to talk about because a lot of uh a lot of my mentors say buy and hold especially when you're younger but it's a little harder when you're younger starting off at least um but can you give us uh, or, or share if you can or willing to about something that has been working for your investors and how that uh, that outlook was like if you guys have done a 10-year hold and uh how were the benefits in that? Yeah, so we're, we have yet to sell a deal. Um, we may have our first sale, I would say in the, in the next couple months, we're, okay. we're circulating a deal off market, but I, everything else we've, we've held it's stabilized or mid reposition. And, um, at this point we have deals that are just kicking off consistent cash flow, and we're like, for instance, a property that we purchased um, three and a half months ago, portfolio properties, it was three of them. We were already on year four of our business plan. And so wow. whatever, when we underwrite, whatever we think the achievable rents are with renovations today, mm -hmm. we assume we're hitting those year five in underwriting typically. And we we just have kind of our minimum marketable returns that that we'll underwrite for. And then um, once we get in, we we have property managers that understand the goal and the vision and push as hard as we do. And it's like I mentioned a second ago, once that capital is removed from the deal, then you know your risk is mitigated and and returns are technically infinite. And yeah, that's that's what we we target. I I want to ask if I if you're willing to disclose the deal structure of a buy and hold, just because most investors want to get like a bunch a bunch of their money and they of course are betting on cash flow specifically real estate most of the time. Most of the retail investors that are like fifty to seventy five k investors, right? But how do you position it to be favorable not only to the investors but also to yourself? Um, how does economics work and does it fit the needs of any specific investor? What have you been seeing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so we can dive on this one. The I think just at a macro level, 10,000 foot view, mm -hmm. the issue with the space is most sponsors, their compensation, 80, 90% of it comes at the exit. Exactly. So, uh -huh. That's like everybody's trying to get to the exit in three years or in five years or seven years. That's, That's what's right. common. And so when we were trying to solve for this, uh, the question that we were looking to answer is, how does it make sense for us and for investors? Right. And, and you've got to have the ability to participate in cash flows as a sponsor. And so we do a pref to investors. And so we'll okay. say a seven pref, for example. Right and then a small catch up pref to the Correct. general partners. And then beyond that, it's a straight split 70, 30. Wow. Once we return capital, it's 70, 30 duration of the whole period. So that that's what allows us to be paid. Um, right. It's not an IRR driven calculator, which means you don't have to have an end date to mm -hmm. begin compensating sponsors. And right. it's we invest for cash flow and investors benefit as a result so everyone participates throughout the deal um and once we return capital then then we just share long term that's a that's a 
it's a commitment i'll tell you I, i've never been married i don't know if you're married but like no. i understand partnerships are literally like marriages uh, especially business ones and how are you finding it are you finding it easy or hard to find these marriages with investors that are interested or how does that look oh our our investors have been amazing um a lot of them I think the harder sells for us are people who have exposures to these three, five, seven year holds and just, and solely because what they've been pitched for their investing career is focus on IRR, 19 IRR is better than a 17 IRR, which I mean, that part's obvious, but understanding how the sponsor backs into those numbers, you can have a sponsor who historically has produced 25% returns but they won't market above a 17 period no ifs ands or buts doesn't matter how good the deal is correct and then you have these newer operators who are going to come in and say i'm going to make a 19 yeah and that's if all the dominoes fall in the right direction and if anything doesn't go to plan which it never does then you end up in an 18 or a 17 and that lower marketed return is the higher performer and so i think for us just educating our investors i want them to be smart enough to choose whether or not we're the right fit and and so if that means giving them the tools to choose otherwise then that's fine i feel like our differentiator is the long-term play yeah um wealth building and then no one else is is going to be telling the story of your impact in another country um alongside your investment and so we focus there and it's just investor sponsor fit so the main reason i ask is I actually have uh, an outlook on serving underrepresented startup founders, uh, startup unicorns. Unicorns in the startup world is a vocab that means $1 billion valuation as a company. And um, one of the struggles that I did have is as a Filipino myself, I felt that I wasn't given the similar uh, treatment as other races were, for example. And so that's kind of why I want to serve um, either just just underrepresented ones as a charity. Um, but outside of its charity, like what you're doing with the um, buy and hold strategy, I want to do that too and create a, a fund, not necessarily a syndication anymore. Um, I would rather be a fund manager than either an asset manager or the other three key plays. So yeah, yeah um, I ask just because of that. So I have some clarity on my own. But for the people that are listening, I'm sure they also have either experience with funds or startups. And so it's also a good understanding of like, oh, this one's a unique approach of like actually putting in money into good. Um, And it reminds me of what I learned in startup world of like three Ps. It's the people, profit, and then the purpose that comes next. And so that's a great framework to, to, to be using. And so thank you very much for sharing that. And so I... Do you have any particular tips for anyone that's interested in investing either with you or anyone for this matter for any syndication? Um, Yeah, Yeah, I would say, especially right now, I would be very careful just with where we're at in the market cycle. Um, It could go two different directions. And anyone who tells you they know which way it's going to (laughs) go is lying or overconfident, which is not the best thing, I think. You want people who have a healthy dose of fear right now, operators, and, and if they're not towing the line that way, then I would I would be concerned. Um, 
I think you have to be extremely insulated from a business plan perspective on yeah. shorter term holds, 24 mm -hmm. to, to 60 month holds. And um, that's, that's really where I think we're going to see more interest in these longer term holds is just right. I, from, from an insulation to market influences perspective. I, I think that's probably the most hedged play. Yeah. Um, I would not be surprised if everyone overpaying for deals right now does extremely well and they, they all look like geniuses a couple of years from now, but yeah. it could go the other direction too. And I, I think a lot of people, I mean, you, you mentioned your audience is coming from another space for the most part, just understanding that there's no historical precedent for what's occurring in, in the real estate space right now. Yeah. Um, and that could be really good or really bad and, and just, tread lightly, talk to, to transparent sponsors, understand underwriting or align yourself with someone who does to, to really vet opportunities. So in preparation of a possible recession, at least my biggest investment thesis idea is why don't I pull money in soft committers? No, I don't, I won't hold their money, pull money in from angel investors or anyone that's in, ever is interested. And when the dip happens, I'm in it. So how are you preparing yourself if and when the dip happens? Yeah, I think, I mean, simple answer would be we're not buying right now. Yeah. Um, not as much as most people. Like uh, we we could very easily be the 1,500, 2,000 door group. And we've chosen not to be just because I feel like that could potentially hurt us when a market event happens. So we're, we're looking for low basis. We're looking for control of business plan. We, we actually look at value add plays, um, more from a developer's lens. So our, our large metric is return on cost. And we want to make sure you know, whatever the cap rate spread is that, that we have the ability to exceed that enforced appreciation. And, and that's including regression or expansion of, of the cap rate. So, um, and I, I think right now is just the time to build your business and, and really become very operations focused. And, and that's how we look at it. We're, we're developing relationships and we're trying to give people exposure to the asset class. Like one thing we do that's probably a little different is friends, family, first time investors will yeah. typically lower our minimum to 25,000 and that gives someone the ability to learn the space without the 50,000, 75,000. Yeah. And I, I think for a lot of people like that is the barrier to entry. It's not that they don't have the money. It's that asking them to part with it on something that they, they don't have experience with. Right. It's a big ask. And a lot it of sponsors is. just don't acknowledge that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Well, Preston, I really appreciate you being on the show. Um, you've been a golden nugget. Uh, you've been giving a lot of wisdom and golden nuggets on this show, and I really appreciate all your wisdom. Uh, is there a best way to reach out to Preston at Well Capital? Yeah, so our website, wellcapitalinvest.com, um, that's it. we have a, an investor quiz that pops up when you go to it. and. That will really, I think if nothing else, it'll help people understand the questions they should be asking themselves and sponsors. Um, and then we're, we're part owners of an accounting practice. So if anyone 
needs help just positioning for depreciation and, and leveraging all the advantages of real estate, um, connect at wellcapitalinvest.com is our email to reach out to. Awesome. And I, I also, the, the best way that I was able to find Preston, aside from our common mastermind, is on LinkedIn. And this is his name, Preston Spainauer. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you have any parting thoughts at all before we end the stream? I would say, um, you know, for people trying to push into the space, just take the jump, find somebody who who aligns with you and your beliefs um, as an investor and as an individual. And I think it's a relationship business. Um, Anyone who doesn't look at it from that perspective, I probably won't make it long term in the space. And so connect with someone like Yvonne, connect with us. Um, even if we aren't a good fit, I'm happy to introduce people to, to others who are who I trust. So yeah, I just really appreciate your time and, and you having me on as a guest. And this has been a blast. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you being here. And uh, I'll end the stream now. Awesome.